0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very warm welcome to BAFTA. My name's Brian Hansen Hanson. That was a very big drop, sorry. Start as we mean to go on. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, you're all here for Hugh Grant, um, forever stuck in all of our minds and our hearts, I think, um, as a kind of floppy-haired, beautiful boy uh, with the perfect English accent who does nothing better than swear with it. Um, Hugh's actually been working for some 30-plus years in the industry now, making something close to 40 feature films and a parallel career in television. He's been the star attraction in the highest-grossing UK film at the box office several times now, his own record for Four Weddings and a Funeral was just beaten by himself when he came along with Notting Hill. Um, (laughs) Along the way, he scooped multiple awards, multiple nominations, including uh, a BAFTA for Best Actor and a Golden Globe for the same. Um, And he's known very much for playing the kind of bumbling uh, British hero, uh, somebody we can all kind of root for. But alongside that, he's just as Uh, at home, playing the kind of cad, or the bounder, or the baddie, and never more so, never better than in his current release, the glorious Paddington 2, which I know you have all seen and will be seeing again, um, where he... Parodies himself, playing that kind of washed-up, bitter, faded, jaded actor, <laughs> looking back on his own life. But it's it's a, it's a par- wonderful parody, and it's a portrait that couldn't be further from the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad that he's here to tell us about his life in pictures. Hugh Grant. Bring it all back, Hugh.
1: Yeah, so many horrors. <laughs> so much to apologise for.
0: <laughs> so it's hugely fitting to kind of welcome you here to the BAFTA stage, I gather, because I think your very first film, uh, made when you were a student, Privileged, um, you had a screening, your very first screening was here at BAFTA, is that right?
1: Yes, that's right. I, I, uh... Mike Hoffman, who went on to make uh, lots of films, was an American student at Oxford and when I was there, and he said, I've got some money together, I've borrowed a camera from John Schlesinger, in portrait I noticed outside, and um, I'm gonna make this film, and do you wanna be in it? And and I said no, because I I, I wasn't very interested in acting at that point. I mean, I'd done a couple of plays, but it wasn't my main thing. And then uh, I realized that this girl, who I really fancied, called Victoria Stud, was... (laughs) was gonna be in it, so I said, all right, I'll be in it. And um, we shot it, and really, I mean, I love Mike, and he's made some very good films, but it was ghastly and uh, (laughs) deeply pretentious. And um, that summer, um, after I graduated, I got a thing saying they're gonna screen it at BAFTA, and I I thought, I better go. I got on my bike, came here and watched it, and and then afterwards, some agents said, "Um, do you want to be an actor? And I said, no, 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 thank you very much. (laughs) And and then, because I was going off to do some other, bullshit degree and, um, <laughs> and then I thought actually I, I would quite like to earn some money before I do that so I rang them back, I said alright, I'm very grand <laughs> I said I'll be an actor for a year <laughs> and, uh, and then I was so shit in my first job, so bad that I thought, I, I better do another one because um, I, I, you know, I, I can't be that bad and that process has now gone on for 30 uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, you, so basically it all started here at BAFTA?
1: It really did, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so did, genuinely, did you not have ambitions to thesp? I mean, when you, were at col- you were at college, you were involved in stage productions, but did you not really have any ambitions? No,
1: I mean, I quite liked acting. and I I'd thought of myself as a great star at school. Um, but no, I didn't, want to do, I didn't uh, think I wanted to do it as a job. No, I still don't, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were you a film fan?
1: No, not really. <laughs> no, I'm a total charlatan uh, in uh, in the business.
0: Okay. Well, as a charlatan, you've done quite well then. So tell us a little bit about the journey from making that first, those first sort of stumbling steps, accidentally onto this stage, to being cast in Morris. How? how oh, yeah. Wh- how did you How did you get there?
1: Oh well. Um... Actually, it all began with... Um, I was car- my first job, I was cast in The Mutiny on the Bounty with um, Mel Gibson and Anthony Hopkins. Fantastic 16 weeks in Tahiti. And uh, I had my costumes made. I looked lovely. Um, <laughs> I was very excited. I was 23 years old. And then they said, Oh, actually, um, there's a bit of a problem because you're not a member of Equity. And... Uh, Anyway, it all went to some tribunal, and in the end, on the eve I was supposed to fly to Tahiti, I wasn't allowed to do it. So that, that did make me quite cross. And um, so then I went and got an equity card by playing third shouting peasant in um, <laughs> parts like that at Nottingham Playhouse for a season, um, where actually I got a lot of sort of raw material for Phoenix Buchanan. <laughs> 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 um, so I've, I've forgotten the question now. Just to... <laughs> I shouldn't have had that. Brought the horrors back. What?
0: Brought the horrors back. Um, No, it was about the kind of process of how you got involved in Morris in the first place. Oh,
1: Morris. (laughs) Well, yeah. So I I did that. Did that season of of stage acting. Was very bored. There was another young actor from RADA who was equally bored, and so we started doing a a comedy show together, and uh, we did that for a few years, and we wrote radio commercials. Was quite happy, and then out of the blue, this uh, chance to audition for a Merchant Ivory film came along, and. I said, I don't think so really. I'm, I'm much happier doing this writing and performing on my show. And my brother, who's an evil banker, happened to be, I was living with at the time, he was at home sick, and he said, no, don't, don't be an idiot, you have gotta go. And he made me dress up smart, and I went and got the job. I, and, uh, and so that then propelled me, because the film was quite well-regarded, it propelled me into more films uh, I could have gone up like that and picked classy things, but instead I chose to go down like that. I <laughs> picked a worse and worse sort of American miniseries. Uh, I was always a champagne baron. I don't know why. I played about 500 champagne barons. Always uh, stealing the family reserve and giving it to Nazis and <laughs> raping my sister, uh, Courtney Cox. <laughs> Raped her, um, <laughs> and quite rightly was beaten out of the house by Michael York with a horsewhip. <laughs> so it's good stuff.
0: Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember what you were like in auditions at that point? I mean, were you confident in going and go in and talk like this, or did you know how how nervous did you get? How how confident were you?
1: No, no, very, very, very nervous. Yes, and and consequently, I am extremely nice to people who come into audition in the films that I've you know been in. Producorial roles, in and uh, it's awful. It? It's, it's a hideous process, and uh, I don't think it ever gets better. Mm.
0: Can you remember what it was like being on that set? I, I know that there wasn't much rehearsal. There wasn't any rehearsal. I think just a read through for this.
1: Yeah, it was a double read through. I remember because uh, the first one went so badly. James Ivory said, "Well, I, I, I think we should do it again." <laughs> so we, we did it again. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember I remember being on that set. Um, there was uh, one of the main problems, actually. I'd just recovered then, but one of the main problems is I'd just been whacked in the face by a man whose girlfriend I'd kissed. And uh, I had a huge split lip. <laughs> and there were scenes in that film where you think, well, what's wrong with his lip? And uh, <laughs> there's a... Um, yeah, huge lip in all the courtroom scenes and things. And, um, but it was, it was, you know, it was very, I was very nervous, uh, first film, but very, very, it was old technology, you know, there was no monitor. You know, James Ivory standing by the, uh, by the camera and uh, very old school photography of the best kind. Pierre Lom was the DP and, you know, it was, lighting took an hour minimum for each shot and, And you got onto set. It was Charlie bars and flags and you know reflectors, and it was it it was stunning photography, stunning.
0: And can you remember being directed and what they were like? Well,
1: Jim Ivory is a bit like uh, Frears I've just been doing another thing with in that they're minimal Uh, and uh, they're kind of like idiot savants because they uh, they they don't really express themselves like normal human beings. but they have a perfect ear. In the case of Frears, it's an ear. He barely doesn't need to watch the screen. He listens, and he can hear if something's wrong. And then he'll say, well, there's something, there's something wrong with that line. And then you kind of have to work out why it is that you were so bad in that line. And, and Jim Ivory was the same. It would be, um, yeah, I don't really like it when you kind of you know, touch your eyebrow. I don't know why you do that. <laughs> and, and then you have to work out why you did it and it's usually because you, you don't really know what the line meant or something and so it's, you have to convert it into an actorly note.
0: And you were working with people who'd come off the back of Room of the View and people like Simon Hillo yeah. and yeah. Denham Elliott, you know, people who were, you know, real gravitas at yeah, 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 that yes. time. Yes. Was that intimidating or rewarding? Or
1: yeah, Well, it, it was, that, that was it? also frightening, yeah. They just had this huge breakout hit Room <laughs> of the View. And um, they were planning to make that, to make Morris with, um, with Julian Sands, who'd been in, uh, in, uh, in Room of the View, but then, for various reasons, he didn't do it. And so, had he done it, it would have been more of a frightening team who just had a success, but actually, Wilby was even more frightened than me, so comforting.
0: And did you have any anxiety about taking on that film with that subject? I mean, given when that was, this is right in the middle of the 80s, AIDS crisis, Section 28... You know, that was for a young actor to take on a first role
1: as a kind of gay portrait.
0: Did you? Was there, did anyone counsel you against it?
1: No, no, I don't. No, I, that never occurred to me. I don't know why. It never crossed my mind. I remember being slightly startled to see myself on the front of Zipper uh, <laughs> when the film came out. I think it was startling for my parents as well. Was, but, um, <laughs> but otherwise, no. no.
0: That seems really unusual at that time. I mean, not least because you know, there were very few films of that with that subject. Let alone really? films that ended in a happy ending. I way. don't think really
1: that's true. Not in the eighties. I think there were lots, weren't there? Well, Prick up your ears, and I can't think of another one. No, Someone thinks <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um So okay. So the, so the film sort of sent you into the limelight. You went off to Venice. You scooped best actor. You were um, kind of suddenly under the spotlight. Was that? Um, did you suddenly then think, oh, well, actually, this Thesp business is, is for me? I mean, did you become more enthusiastic about the idea of acting? Um,
1: well, uh, yeah, obviously, because suddenly I was being offered nice, well, quite nice parts um, and money, and I didn't have any of that, well, not enough. And um, so, yeah, that was nice. But as I said earlier, I, I very quickly declined <laughs> backed into the uh, swamp from which I'd emerged.
0: You um, the the film's just been re-released a 30 year re-release. Did 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 you have you watched it again?
1: No, I haven't. I'd love to. Well, I say I'd literally I love the photography and I love the production design so much. (laughs) What's happened to me? Um, (laughs) But it it gives me no pleasure to watch myself.
0: And then so when you were on your way to your. the the dip that you're talking about you did a group of films which you've described as euro puddings yes things like bitter moon and Lair of the white worm and
1: Uh, well uh, neither of those were really euro puddings i would say Uh, um bitter moon was a just a french production of a roman Polanski film and uh, Lair of the white worm was a ken russell film uh made in england but i i did also do these curious things that were fashionable then where you'd have a a Spanish director directing a f- film that had been written in Spanish but really badly translated into English <laughs> and then with sort of your German money or something and it was always a catastrophic failure with <laughs> terrible lines terrible I remember being Lord Byron in uh, a film called Romando Albiento, Rowing with the Wind you see even the, even the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the title makes no sense um, <laughs> and, uh, and they he translated it so badly, and I would have to say solemnly, you know, deep down in the lake, Mary, there is slime and weed, but when you look at the surface, you see only your own reflection. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and they had, because um, <laughs> the man who directed it, very nice, Gonzalo uh, uh spoke no English at all, not one word, so he <laughs> they, they hired a, a local translator. Who'd never been in the film industry. He was just um, an Englishman. I don't know what he did. I think he, I don't know what he did. But he was extraordinarily tactless. So that um, <laughs> Gonzalo de would say to him, and he'd come up to the actor and say, Gonzalo says, could you be less wooden? <laughs> 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 Awful. Oh,
0: okay, so you're not going back there. Um, but no. do, just do, rewind slightly. So to talk about director, working with directors like Polanski or Ken Russell, people who are really strong-willed, strong <laughs> personality directors. Yes. Did that change the way you performed? Do you, do you think that you you behave in a different way when you're under, under um, the posh of a director like that?
1: Uh, well, no. I mean, they're both, in, in a way, great directors, but quite nutty. Um <laughs> You know, Polanski wants to do not just your job for you, but he wants to do everyone's job. So the, if the props man is moving a cup of tea, no, 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 for fuck's sake, I'll do it. Look, it's got to go here. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and Ken Russell, you know, they're both, i tell you what I love about them, they're both proper filmmakers. They made only cinematic films, and, uh, and, and I love them for that. But, but Ken Russell also, uh, quite mad and in the mornings relatively normal uh, <laughs> but then he, w- he, he had a good lunch and um, <laughs> in the afternoon it could be quite quite different I remember doing a scene in which I had to pick up a broadsword and cut a woman in half as you do and um, <laughs> well she was half I think she was a half demonic uh, she was flying towards me I had to cut her in half and um, I remember saying I don't know Ken this moment when I pick up the sword it doesn't feel quite right and his classic directorial note was fuck how it fucking feels do it how I fucking showed you, you (laughs) arsehole.
0: Good. So at that point (laughs) (laughs) so when you'd had your kind of euro puddings and you'd been working with eccentric directors and doing some TV that you weren't that happy with. Yeah. Is it true that you were thinking about
1: changing and doing yeah, it? As ever, I was sort of saying, I'm on the way out. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, I think, and then I, the script came through for Four Weddings and a Funeral, and I'm, I rang my agent, and I said, I think there's been a mistake. You've sent me a good script. <laughs> <laughs> the, same, the same thing happened when he sent me Jerry Maguire. I rang, I said, I think it's a mistake. You've sent me a really good script. And he said, yes, yeah, sorry, that is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh God! So four weddings came, and you.
1: I went to the audition, and I remember stomping up the little narrow stairs in somewhere in Carnaby Street. It was uh, the Henson organisation um, headquarters, and then did this weird audition on a sort of plinth, surrounded by uh, uh, Miss Piggy and uh, what's his name, you know, the Frog Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in front of Mike Newell, uh, the director, who seemed to quite like me, and uh, Richard Curtis, who seemed to want me dead, um, <laughs> really hated me. And, uh, and then apparently after I did it, there was a bit of a fight between them, and M- M- Newell thought I was right for it, and, and Richard didn't want me at all, and then had his arm twisted.
0: So that was the beginning of your relationship with Richard Curtis and Mike Newell?
1: But yes. Of whom you've yeah, turned
0: yeah. to several times. Can yeah. you describe a little bit about how that? I mean, you said Richard didn't want you in the first place. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit about how that relationship worked then? <laughs>
1: um, well, he, yeah, he didn't. He, he really wrote that part in his own image. And that's why he didn't. When I walked in, Walston, he didn't think I was him. And he's right. And, uh, and uh, uh, that's why I. <laughs> all sorts of things were done, like my awful clothes in that film, especially when I'm not in the wedding kit, were done to kind of muss me up. And, and they wanted to give me the worst haircut in the world, and his glasses, and, and the worst haircut in the world, of course, backfired on them all. It became a haircut that was being copied. And, uh, <laughs> but um, that was his real problem. And, and my problem playing the part was that I, I could see it was all very funny, and I could see all the jokes, but I couldn't really... I'd never met this person who was... Um, who said funny things but was also... Well, anyway, the b- bottom line, it was Richard. It was Richard. Once I met Richard properly, I-, I just I played him, basically.
0: And how much did they trust you? I mean, how much could you kind of go off script and and do your own thing, and uh, how much was written?
1: Um, in Four Weddings, uh, there's some improvisation, I think, but not that much, partly because it was just zero time. It was shot in 36 days in a blind panic. <laughs> Mike Newell hurling teacups at the wall, saying, I can't fucking do it! <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's whole scenes there um, where literally we had eight minutes left in our shooting day, mm. and there's a two page scene or a one page scene to shoot. And uh, we, he would just say, Oh, go. everyone's going to stand against the wall, and we'll just shoot you like that. There's a couple of scenes like that. You know, no coverage, no nothing.
0: And yeah. did you have any. I mean, the film. It's sort of incredible. I mean, it's one of the few films where it made a fortune, it won a bunch of awards, yeah. and um, it—you know—kind of all the critics have it at their kind of on their top ten list, which is really unusual. You're usually, going to lose one of those elements. Did you? At which point did you all realize that you had made something special?
1: Well, genuinely, um, incredibly late. Uh, the film—some of it was cut together while we were shooting, towards the end of shooting, as a sort of lunchtime treat for the crew, and we all went and watched it, and uh, there wasn't a laugh in it. Well, Rowan was funny. but The rest of the thing, it was just awful, and I had to be helped sobbing back onto the set. Um, <laughs> and then they, when we finished shooting, they, they edited it together, and uh, everyone was suicidal. They thought, it just doesn't work at all. And we thought we're gonna have to emigrate to Peru, because it's gonna be so embarrassing. <laughs> then they had a screening in um, Santa Monica, uh, in Los Angeles, and suddenly everyone loved it. And it was just—it it was a total surprise to everyone. We it, it mushroomed.
0: And then, how agonizing is it to to, to have that much success <laughs> and then have to kind of choose what you do next? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: That agony is the word, <laughs> um, because obviously it was thrilling. Or anxiety, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah. It, but basically, it's thrilling. It's lovely, and everyone's being nice to you, and um, you know, um, it's a huge ego trip. And, uh, but, yeah, very difficult to choose the next thing, and I horrified my um, scary new L.A. agents by turning everything down and, uh, and then finally made an appalling choice. <laughs> but
0: turning everything down because you were getting the same, same, same types of
1: projects? Well, no, I just didn't think... I thought they were all bad. <laughs> but but the, the corollary of that, oddly enough, was every time I turned something down, the next time an offer came through, it was double the money. And... Uh, uh, because that 's how Hollywood is uh, they're, you know they 're weird and um, and then yes uh, then i I made the, the wrong film with very good people when it was a catastrophe
0: d- d- describe that experience that was in, in America you 're talking about
1: yeah uh, yes <laughs> well i don 't normally talk about this film ever, but um, yeah well they they had made huge hits these people they 'd made um, uh, mrs. dabfar and uh, Home Alone and all that, and, uh, and, well, I just panicked and I, because uh, they paid me so much more than I got for this, for, for weddings, that I thought, well, if I'm getting paid 200 times as much, I better give a performance 200 times bigger than for weddings, so I overacted grotesquely. Uh, and uh, uh, yes, it's, it's really, it's regrettable.
0: But the, fi- <laughs> but the film did well.
1: The yeah, the film office. did fine, despite me being arrested on the eve of its release. Um, yeah. It might have done better um, had I spent less time in the Los Angeles police station.
0: But, but, but it was a strange experience, because actually it did do well, but the reviews were quite harsh.
1: And rightly so, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Was that a horribly bruising experience? or
1: Yes. Yeah. Horrid. Uh, horrid.
0: And did you? And did that make you think of turning away from America as a as a source of work?
1: Um, well, uh, no, because I am still getting offered stuff because the film made money, and that's all they care about. Um, yeah, I was I, I, I offered some huge children's film almost as I emerged from the police station. You know, they just don't care because <laughs> the, f, the film makes money. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, and I had this production deal by then, rather grandly. Uh, one of the things that seemed to come with making a film that's very successful is, is people say, do you want a production deal? And, you know, I had offices in in Los Angeles that were being paid for, and, you know, the deal is you, you if you come up with a project you want to do, you give them the first option to, to make it. And uh, I was determined to see that through, and I very much liked the people I had the deal with. They were the, the real good guys of Hollywood, uh, Castle Rock. You know, it was Rob Reiner's company, and they'd made really classy films. Uh, so I wanted to follow through with that.
0: And with Simeon, with the production company, yeah. did you... I mean, was this literally somebody was saying to you, why don't you do this? Or did you have an aspiration to make a certain type of film? Well, no, or?
1: not particularly. I, I, I was quite interested in the way it was all done there. And I think I probably became fractionally Hollywood for a time, <laughs> you know, with this office. And I, I Yeah. You know in Hollywood, no one ever calls anyone themselves. It's always their assistant saying, I have Jack Rubenheim for you. And I remember I had an assistant saying, well, I've got Hugh Grant on the line for you. And that's probably the time you have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But it didn't give you another
1: perspective on... Well, it was riveting and there were, there were riveting people there, you know, the, the Rob Reiners and you know, Steve Martin and all these people who are uh, just genuinely fascinating and brilliant <laughs> at their job. I, I loved all them. But I, both films we made were not really cooked at the time that we went into production. I was under a lot of pressure to actually make make films, and mm-hmm. they don't, weren't really ready. Um, so I regret that. But I, they're not bad. It's hard to tell the chronology chronology of when you made
0: all that, um, yeah. because obviously those two films came out came out rather later on. Um, yeah, late nineties. Yeah. You, you then ha- you seem to have a kind of almost like a hiatus from your own performance until you came back with a bang with Notting Hill.
1: Uh, Well, yes, sort of, yes, that's right.
0: And that wasn't a purposeful... You weren't looking away and not...
1: No, I... I I just went a bit cold. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, Notting Hill was a big hit.
0: And then Notting Hill came back and it was a kind of... Did it feel like the gang's all here again? I mean, it was a sort of re, you know, reuniting of the four weddings.
1: Yeah, thing. except we had a lot more money, I suppose, cause Ju- well, because we'd made money the first time and also because Julia was in it. So it was like um, four weddings on steroids. You know?
0: <laughs> and Roger Michel said that you are the only person who can speak Richard, Grant- Richard Curtis's lines properly. Uh,
1: well, no. That, That's what he said. I, well, yeah. But I mean, well, we have a certain understanding, yeah.
0: And it's a very London film, and, you know, we all watch yeah. it in our kind of Christmassy London way. But you were two megastars at that point, you and Julia Roberts, kind of on set in Notting Hill. Was that, do you remember that experience? Was that, was that not a bit mad, kind of doing all that on location? Uh, no.
1: <laughs> so. I mean, I, and I didn't feel like a megastar, not next to Julia, bloody hell, you know. She, she was the real deal, um, and, and terrifying.
0: And did the fact that it hit the, really hit the the box office again? You kind of did. You feel like you had the Midas touch again? Because presumably that had been a sort of slightly odd period of fluctuating. Well, yes,
1: it's. I mean, look, there's no getting away from it. having a hit is a lovely thing. Yeah. And uh, and I remember thinking, uh, conversely to what happened on Four Weddings, when they showed us some cut footage, and I thought oh, that's, that's dead. Richard came into my trailer and showed me some cut footage from Notting Hill, and it had the she theme song, mm-hmm. and I just immediately thought, well, fuck, that's gigantic. Yeah. Uh, that's gigantic. It's amazing how important that music is, and in fact, how important the, his general music choices are, and, and how important music is in film. One always forgets, it's, it's half the film.
0: Uh-huh. And you were playing a lovely, another lovely, bumbling, romantic hero. Next, you turned full cad for Bridget Jones. He, there's, a, there's a good guy and a bad guy in this movie. Could you have taken either role, or were you always going to be the cad?
1: Oh, I don't remember. You no, know, I don't think he'd ever... I, was, I don't remember Darcy ever coming up. No. 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 Uh,
0: but that would have been a different take.
1: Generally speaking, I should play all Colin's parts, really. Um, <laughs> and I think Colin knows that, too. Uh, but... Um, no I, I I yeah I just uh, that was that was what was offered to me and uh, that's what I did. Yes. And
0: okay and then slightly more seriously I've looked at a lot of your films you've made somewhere close to 40 films you've only made two that were directed by women this one and the sequel is, is that right I think that's right well it's is not a word is it, of no,
1: no, no, <laughs> okay it might be it might be no
0: but I, what I was getting to say was kind of is that is a that is a that is a massive, you know that, that's a that's a strange thing. Was it different? Is it a different experience being directed by a woman?
1: Uh, it was it was quite nice. I mean, especially um, Sharon Maguire, This one, partly because of course she was Shazza in the novels, yeah. and so she knows that world and that humour inside out and backwards, and she's very funny. And, uh, and also because um, both she and Biba are <laughs> nice and gentle. Uh, I, I am very delicate on the set, very jumpy. And uh, Frears is the worst for me, really. I don't know why I keep working with him, because it, there I am, very tense, about to do a scene. And this is how he says action for every single scene, including an intimate close-up of a man in despair. All right, ready? One, two, three, action! <laughs> 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 Absolutely terrifying. But well, I think it was Sharon McGuire who used to say, um, whenever you're ready, <laughs> commence. Yeah. Well, yeah. Soothing.
0: And that's the only difference?
1: Um, yeah, well, I think so. I think so. Sharon was the only director I've ever known who took a day off. <laughs> she just got ill and said, oh, I'm not coming into work today. <laughs>
0: And was it, given that it was such a kind of hot property, you know, everybody knew the novel, everyone had cast it in their heads, everyone had read the newspaper columns, yeah. you know, we were all really kind of there with it. Was it, and then you had an amazing script, did you, was it incredibly tight? I mean, could you could you go your own way? You know, how much of a scene was kind of absolutely choreographed and scripted to within an inch of its life, or how much
1: could you add? No, no, there was own? a lot of improvisation. And, um, and Bridget Jones, too, I... Yeah, massively. I think I wrote my whole part.
0: <laughs> how? How? That's the. That's pretty much the only time I think you've gone back for a kind of proper sequel. How? How did that feel?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, greedy, really. I mean, that's why. That's why you do sequels, mostly, isn't it? Um, you just have to try and keep the greed under wraps. Yeah.
0: And then you chose not to go back for the third.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, still, I had plenty and easily enough greed to do it. Um, I just I, I couldn't, I, co- I couldn't make the character work in that story. Uh, you know, her having a baby. Um, Daniel Cleaver, what's he going to do? He, he, if that happened, he'd just run away, and then then he's not in the film. Or then they had a version where he kind of suddenly has this transformation. and becomes fascinated by the baby, and I just thought, I don't buy that. And. Uh, I drove them mad, I think, for a year. We went back and forth, and new writers came in, and I went to endless meetings. And in the end, I I just thought, I I, I don't see how how he fits in. And quite rightly, they then rejigged it completely. Much better.
0: And do you think you're good at reading scripts now?
1: I've always had an extremely high opinion of my uh, (laughs) script writing, script reading ability. And I used to boast, you know, know, I've never uh, turned down a film that's gone on to be a success. And then that all changed uh, <laughs> and I've made some catastrophic mistakes uh, starting about seven years ago.
0: Yeah. In turning down?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some real corkers. Can you tell us? <laughs> no, I can't. Because no. then they went on and we successes and I, I don't want to be the person saying, oh, but they offered me that first.
0: Yeah. Well, you could. We won't tell anyone. No, no,
1: no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, then you you went. The the next kind of big moment for you was about a boy, which again was from a kind of much loved novel. Yeah. Was in a novel you knew before you did Yeah, yeah, one? yeah. And y- y- had, had you kind of set your sights on it, or you just? Read uh, it? Well, I had because it was I had a, in
1: a previous incarnation. It was Ian Softley. He was going to do it, and he didn't really want me to do it. So it's a nice bit of revenge that it turned out well in the end. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, but he had a very different script. And then it ended up, uh, in the most unlikely way, with Robert De Niro. He, he owned the rights mm-hmm. uh, in Tribeca Films. And, and then mm-hmm. these uh, curious brothers, the Whites brothers, came on to direct it. And I went to meet them, and, and we loved each other. And uh, it was a very, very happy experience.
0: Which is slightly strange because they came off American Pie, which you can't imagine that they would have the sort of subtlety that...
1: Well, but they're uh, highly educated East Coast uh, uh, Americans. And in fact, uh, Chris Weitz went to St. Paul's here in Hammersmith. And so he, he knew England and they weren't going to make those sort of cultural mistakes. And um, and then they yeah they'd had a great take on it. The whole visual aspect was clever. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, this film seems it, it seems like a really different step for you. I mean, it's only a, a year or so after you know Bridget Jones, and you look different, and you almost sound different, and you have a kind of slightly different persona. Did you was that conscious? I mean, did you know you were doing that?
1: Uh, well, i say uh, I think what's called acting. Um,
0: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, the, the the Richard the Richard Curtis parts um, were acting too. There, because um, I really am not. People used to say, "Oh, you, you know, you are this sort of bumbling Englishman," and it used to make Richard laugh because. I'm not at all, I'm quite a nasty, poisonous piece of work. And uh, <laughs> much closer to Bridget, uh, you know, to uh, Daniel Cleaver or something like that. And um, so, yeah, they were all acting parts.
0: Is, is this character you like?
1: Uh, yes, yes, definitely. And um, uh, for various reasons the fact that he's culturally different, he's sort of North London trendy, he's a little bit, of, a tiny bit of estuary in his voice. Uh, It was all quite liberating, and and I think I have learnt that um, that the the further away I get from my own cultural sort of roots, uh, the better I am actually. Yes, or less bad. Mm -hmm.
0: And do you said uh, De Niro was involved in the as in in his his company? Was is he involved as a producer? Yeah. And was he involved? Involved?
1: Um, Not really, (laughs) until we until. Uh, we did some promotion and he came over to London and uh, he was very nice. He liked a party. Uh, it was me and the Whites' and De Niro going round and round the clubs of London. Because De Niro's getting on a bit, he'd have a nap between clubs. <laughs> <laughs> we wake him up again, uh, going to the next one. And uh, it was great, really. I mean, slightly galling because in those days, I was quite used to walking into a club and getting some attention. I walk in with Robert De Niro. I was not know why I was going.
0: And is there any mismatch in a piece like that, which is very, as you say, sort of North London? It's a very, you know, like we all hold it as a very kind of British piece. Yeah. But in the hands of American directors, American producers. I mean, was is there ever a, a tension, or is that a discussion point? I mean, no. As I say, the Whites it? has got London, yeah.
1: or certainly Chris got London completely, and uh, and the um, so it was Tribeca producing, but. It was originally New Line who was going to um, finance it, and then they dropped out at the last moment, and we t- I took it to my old friends at Working <coughs> Title. So then you've got English producers on it as well, so that was all fine. So.
0: And am I right in thinking that's the first time you've worked with a child?
1: Um, I, on an on a extended level like and that, how yeah. How long was that? Uh, well, he, he was great. Um, he had now, annoyingly, him. he's a gigantic star. How did that happen? Um, LAUGHTER uh, but no, he was like he's a re- he's a genuinely lovely person, Nick Holder. Uh and, and I hate everyone.
0: Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did does it? Did it make you? I mean, how how by that time? How is your kind of your preparation? methods changed I mean are you the same from film to film you do things in the same way each time or does it d- depend on what you're making um,
1: no well it, it is pretty much the same it, because it's I don't know what it is whether it's thoroughness or first of all panic but I uh, really do pick the thing to pieces gigantically before the thing starts and so I'll trawl through the script very very slowly you know asking myself questions why do I say that and why does he do this and my script is a spider web of notes, and then I create these um, biographies of the character, um, and that, which expand. and, and um, I don't know if it does me any good at all, but it seems to come from me.
0: And do you go? Do you ever go back to the writers and do that, or are you doing that? Personally yeah, well, yourself? if you
1: get really stuck and you think this line just—I've learned that now—if the line, you know, really never comes out of your mouth um, well, or you can't rem- memorize it, that's another telling sign. Um, it's worth sometimes saying oh, there's something wrong with this line, and then you can fix it, or I fix it.
0: And are you um, a kind of one take person, or I mean, do you?
1: Well, no, but it, it depends. But um, with comedy, um, I learnt in America actually uh, making the film we don't talk about that I, there was a lot of very good comic actors in that, and actually I've done other comic films out there. And what Americans do is they come in and they the script is. You might do one take of like a script, but really it's about improvising and having ideas and doing different things. And so lots of takes with lots of different ideas, throw things out there. I've just definitely discovered that works best. And in editing rooms, it's always the, the line or the moment that was invented in, in that second that is the one you want to put in the film and not the one that was pre-rehearsed for three months.
0: And you just mentioned Working Title again, who you went back to for Love Actually very soon after this.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, did, did, uh, to play the Prime Minister. Was that an aspiration for you?
1: <laughs> it is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> uh, um, and, no. of course, all
0: the, all the previous Prime Ministers have all referenced your performance in this. So Cameron and (laughs) Blair have both famously spoken about this. this performance was this a fun thing to do? I mean, did this was it? Did it feel sort of ridiculous?
1: Well, it was clearly it was full on Richard Curtis. You know, as he admits himself, he had seven ideas for a full film and he didn't have time to write them all, so he just put them all in one big soup. And um, uh, so, you if you like Richard Curtis, you get a very good dose in uh, *Love Actually* and. um, and and I do like him, and uh, you know, uh, love being in a big hit film.
0: Mm-hmm. And then after that, you b- went back to America for a long time. You made sort of four or five things uh, working yeah. with Mark Lawrence. Uh, um, yeah, with Mark. I Lawrence. made lots
1: with Mark Lawrence. Yeah. Who what?
0: is a who is a film who's a director who is not a kind of named.
1: <laughs> no, director no. Him. I just thought his writing was funny. He 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 wrote a huge American sitcom. Uh, and uh, I, I just liked his writing. He was a friend of Castle Rock, the company I mm-hmm. had to deal with. And, yes, I ended up making uh, that film with Sandra Bullock uh, called Two Weeks Notice, which I'm proud of, I like, mm-hmm. and uh, one with Drew Barrymore um, called Music and Lyrics, which I also like, and then A Catastrophe with Sarah Jessica, who I like very much as a person, but the film was a, was a... I think no film has ever got fewer red tomatoes.
0: <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs>
1: OK. Given,
0: given all your experience, and particularly your experience kind of in big, commercial, you know, sort of focus group-type films and smaller films here, would you ever consider... Have you ever considered either writing or directing yourself?
1: Yeah, permanently. Oh. Permanently. That's what I should be doing, uh, I, yes. I just... Um, two problems. One is laziness, and the other is I have absolutely nothing to say. <laughs>
0: Is that true? Are people not pers- trying to persuade you to do it all the time? Yeah, they have,
1: they have, they have. And, um, do you think you will? I have a file on my phone that says Ideas. Um, <laughs> particularly after a drink or 2 Fucking You're uh-huh. Fuck it, that's it. <laughs> um, but every time I sit down to write it, you think, oh Christ, this is quite difficult. And then a, an a- acting offer comes in, and you think, well, that's easier, I'll go and do yeah. that. Yeah. And that's gone on for decades. Yeah. <laughs> I used to sit in the London Library just next to BAFTA here, and, you know start fleshing out ideas for films and then thankfully some good acting offer would come in. Didn't have to do that anymore.
0: And what about stage, which you are sort of noticeably have never gone back to, <laughs> um,
1: which is where you started? Yeah. Um, well, I, it, look, my attitude to the theatre has always been that it's lovely for the actors and a bit miserable for the audience. Um, <laughs> God, I, I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... How often do you sit there and not think, oh, my. <laughs> it's great when that happens, but it's one time in 25 theatre visits, isn't it? Yeah. So I can't quite just. But it's certainly fun for the actors. I love it. And, Are you um,
0: constantly approached for
1: doing that? I was, I was, but I spurned them so often, I think that's dried up. But um, uh, it was lovely. And, and the only other problem I had was that uh, if I got a laugh, I was so thrilled I laughed too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just to have to turn up stage to hide my laugh.
0: Okay, well let's go back to the stage for a moment yeah. uh, for a, a quick look at Florence Foster Jenkins.
1: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: On paper, this film doesn't—you know about a woman who sings so badly that it shouldn't have worked. But I think because of your performance and because of your character, it does work. You're really sort of drawn into it. You don't laugh at her. Was this a character? You—I mean, how how did you feel when you read this? I mean, what did you? What, what was your first approach to this film?
1: Well, it was fear, obviously, because it was um, Meryl Streep, and uh, and it was Stephen Frears. So I didn't know at the time, and I assumed it was a really scary, uh, micromanaging. You know, you wish. Yeah, well, yeah, um, and uh, so it was. It was mainly fear, but I also thought that, you know, I have to say that is a good part because it was nuanced and uh, and. Um, but troubling, too, because I, I never really... It was hard to say, is he a good person or a bad person? Is he out for himself in his protection of her? Because that's the only world he has, and, uh, and then, you know, otherwise he's a failed actor. Or is it real love as well? And um, I, I tried to have these conversations with Frears. Uh, I met him in a cafe and said, OK, here's my first important question. I've got 20. Anyway, do, do you think he really loves her? I don't know. <laughs> I said, okay, well, question two. Uh, do, you know, do you think uh, that uh, he's a good person or a bad person? No idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what did you conclude in the end?
1: Um, I concluded that uh, that, he, that human beings are both uh, and capable of being uh, selfless and selfish simultaneously. Mm-hmm.
0: And what does it do to an actor when you're faced with somebody like working with somebody like Meryl Streep? I mean, does that kind of do you up your game, or do you? Well,
1: you, yeah, you think I better. I <laughs> uh, uh, give it my best shot. Mm. Um, Did you enjoy the experience? Well, yeah. Once I'd settled in, I think I, I could say I enjoyed it. Um, but it's still intimidating. I mean, she is intimidating because, a, she's a genius, uh, but b, she's uh, absolutely dedicated and ruthless. It's, it's like a. It's like, for her, it's sort of a religion, and she talks that way about acting. And um, so things like, she says, I, I will never, I will never do a scene in which I'm not emotionally present. And I thought, fuck, I've done 1000s <laughs> <I've... laughs> um, you know.
0: Does it make you change the way you perform? Do you think? I mean, do, do, well, look, I did I try harder. Talk. I mean, uh, there's a scene at hard. the
1: end of the uh, of that film when she dies, and uh, it said in the script, uh, Bayfield sobs, uh, and I remember saying to Frears when I accepted the role, I said, Look, uh, okay, I think I can do this, but you know that bit where he sobs, forget that, I can't do that, and um, he said, Oh, no, don't worry, don't worry about that, but I thought I'd better give it my best shot, and we, it was shot on the that scene on the, on the last day of the shoot for some reason, and. Um, I really made an effort and I went and locked myself in a room and listened to sad music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing was really moving me much until I got to the uh, Military Wives Choir. <laughs> <laughs> and they, for some reason, made me howl. Um, but then I, I, anyway, I get to the set and I have these things on here. Am I going to cry? Am I going to cry? And, uh, and uh, miraculously, on take one, it worked and I did sob. And uh, everyone came up and said, I can't believe you did, you did that. You know? I said, I can't believe it either. <laughs> and then, to my horror, they cut it out of the film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> director's cut.
1: Someone's cut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, to, uh, talking of directors, you've talked a lot about Stephen Fears. Uh, you've had a number of directors that you've gone back to time and time again. Are there people that you kind of have your eye on that you would like to work with?
1: Uh, no, not really. I mean, I no, no. There's obviously directors I think are brilliant, but I'm not sure I would fit very neatly into a Quentin Tarantino film or a <laughs> Martin Scorsese film.
0: Well, you say that, but couldn't you? You could do anything. You're an actor.
1: Oh yes, let's not forget. Um, <laughs> Remember, <laughs> yeah. Quentin Tarantino was nice about me. He did an interview in the Sunday Times a year or two ago, and was nice about me I was astonished um, <laughs> but it still would be a tough I, I, don't, know, uh, yeah, I don't know but I, it's true I mean you know doing um, more and more kind of what you might call character parts um, I, I think I'm better at them to be honest and, I, and, and they're certainly more fun they're a lot more fun Do you not have an aspiration
0: to do a kind of big all action thriller or a
1: well, all action, uh, action films, I think, are boring, because, you know, you only ever get to say, no, <laughs> um, and, and a stuntman does most of your stuff for you. Um, so, no, not really that.
0: No. Yeah, I think we might have saved the best till last. Um, Paddington. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, was, it, was it fun to make it? No. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all torture. Um, <coughs> I mean, they were lovely people. Very nice. Love Paul King and the guy who wrote it. Uh, uh, Farnaby. Armitage? Farmaby. Farnaby. Farnaby. Um, uh, but, you know, it's all just anxiety. Uh, is, is this working? Is this being funny? And, um, and, and um, Paul King, who, who directed it, has a perfect comic ear. Perfect. And eye. So he does scary things like if in the rehearsal, at the beginning of the day, you know, the line-up, um, you do something funny, and then, as ever, you can't do it when you're shooting, he remembers, and he'll say, but you did that funny thing. What happened to that? And then you can't fucking get it again, and um, so it's all anxiety like that. But, um, you know, and he's obsessively detailed on everything. Uh, This film was literally finished, I think, about, an hour before it went out in the cinemas. It had to be pulled out of his hand. But, you know, respect to him. It's bloody good. It's kind of a masterpiece, really, I think.
0: And was there ever any point when you said, no, you know what, I'm not doing that? Not about the film, but about, like, specific things?
1: No, I liked it. Oddly enough, we filmed that dance sequence first. Uh, it was my first day on the film, and uh, it was kind of a month before I did anything else on it, and uh, I hadn't really found the character. yet. That's out of, slightly out of character, the dancing bit. Not the talking bit at the end; that was filmed later. But the dancing bit, all I think is, you're not quite in character there. But it doesn't matter.
0: Were there moments when they had to rein you in? Do you think? What's that? Do they, did, they, did anyone have to rein you in?
1: Oh, au contraire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Does anybody ever rein you in? I mean, does it? Do, do, are there people? Oh yeah, who don't yeah. See? I did
1: when I did Cloud Atlas uh, with the uh, um, Wachowskis. Uh, with the with Chowskis, Uh I played six parts, and one, one of them I was a uh, American preacher in the sort of mid-19th century, and I thought, I'm bloody good at this. And uh, (laughs) after a few takes, I remember saying, um, uh, was that good or was that slightly over the top? And one of the Wachowskis, I forget which one, said, rather over the top. (laughs) (laughs) And that was very shaming. I had to bring it right back. Uh, Are there
0: other people whose views you trust and you test material on them and...
1: Uh, yeah, well, the scripts I might send to people. Yeah, and say, does this work? Yeah, lots of ex-girlfriends get sent scripts.
0: <laughs> thrill. Yeah. And are you surprised at how well Paddington's landed?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you you always expect failure, and uh, it's it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary to be such a big uh, box office uh-huh. hit and be a hundred red tomatoes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you do you feel any more Confident now? I mean, the way you talk about it is so, you know, oh, I, I hate it, I'm frightened. I mean, do, do you feel any I'm, more I'm a bit better
1: now. now. I, I've, I, I was thinking about this. I mean, I think I've been acting about 34 years, and I think I was shit for 17 and then better for 17. Yeah. Um, Are there
0: particular performances? I mean, this presumably is a performance that you really rate. You must do.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm glad it worked, and uh, I like that. And then. Um, so I just finished uh, yesterday. I finished um, this Jeremy Thorpe thing with Frears again, and um, uh, I've I've got better. I have got better. Some incredibly simple tricks, which I wish I'd known before, like going for a run early in the morning, Karma, And really, that's what you, the only thing you need in film acting is just to be calm, not, not to have tension in your body. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you can't stop the tension taking over, but. Exercise really helps. Simple.
0: It's depressing. I thought you were going to say something else then. I don't do exercise. Oh, <laughs> well, it, it doesn't show.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> All right.
0: I told you. OK, um, okay so I'm going to hand you over to the audience All now. Just before we do, just can you just sidestep once? Um, hacked off and your life... Kind of outside of acting yeah. and on yeah, screen, yeah. Ha, ha, presumably has been. I mean, is, is a kind of has uh, now a, a very big part of, or has become a very big part of your life. Strangely, you also then had to be yourself, which you never are. You know, we don't we don't know we know this. We yeah, don't know uh, this. Uh. How how has that been? How has experiences like you know Question Time and you know speaking in Parliament and you know yeah. how, how has all that been being yourself?
1: Well, in equal measures, um, terrifying and really refreshing and bracing, uh, I have to say. I, and, and it's just so nice to be in a world where no one's being nice to you because yeah. you're a star or ex-star or, or an actor. They, it's, it's a cruel jungle, politics, and people are there to rip you to pieces. And uh, this particular campaign, the enemy is quite frightening. You know, if you're up against Paul Dacre and Rupert Murdoch, they're, they're not... They're not that friendly, they're not that cuddly uh, as enemies.
0: Do, and you presumably knew that your career might be up for, you know, they, could, they, can, they can do terrible things. Well,
1: yeah, but I don't, I, really, I genuinely don't care that much about my career. I never have. And, um, and also, British newspapers, it's just one market, Britain, you know. It's the wrong thing to say in a BAFTA interview, but um, <laughs> it is one market. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, on that note, let's take some questions. I think we have microphones on either side. So hands up, uh, there's one at the back and one down here and then one over there, one at the back there. Hi, Go thanks very much. Um, great talk, you really interesting. I really want to know what specifically was so terrifying about Julia in Notting Hill?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I, she was very, very nice. Um, but I think I could see there was some anger underneath. <laughs> um, I mean, she, and she would be the first, I think, to tell you that. Uh, and I think I annoyed her a bit in the end. <laughs> I think I did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> yeah. Me? Yeah. Yes, yes. I did want to ask you about your tap dancing, but I've changed my mind. Um, what was the... Degree or the thing that you wanted to pursue that you were saving for during that first year of acting? I'm curious to know.
1: Oh, well, I, know I had a place to go and do history of art at the Courthold, and uh, thank God I didn't. I mean, really. I just wasn't really interested, I was just being pretentious, I think.
0: Yeah. I did history of art.
1: No. Oh. Well, there you
0: are. <laughs> <laughs> There, I'm done. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Hello. Uh, I've got three questions, so pick a number. Oh, I see. OK. Uh, number two, please, Bob. Uh, who's your favourite on-screen kiss? Oh. Was that number one and three as well? OK, you've got one and three left. Yeah. I don't know, that's weird to say. I, I mean, I used to have to say, that they're all wonderful. Well, I can't be bothered anymore. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, Renee's good, um, Drew Barrymore, James Wilby, and, and now <laughs> Ben Whishaw. I've got actually, I've got Pash Rash from Snogging Ben Whishaw, <laughs> which is quite odd because he's um, Norman Scott in this Thorpe thing I've been doing, which is odd because he's also Paddington, so I've been. <laughs> Sodomising Paddington for the last <laughs> Hi there. Um, what character or genre you would love to play in, like James Bond or something like that? What would be the thing that you'd love to, to act in as? Yeah, I, I, I think, I, well, as I said earlier, I mean, I, the, the films I like best are really involve a lot of violence and death. And, um, LAUGHTER so, you know, I, in my fantasy world, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a Martin Scorsese film, and I can't really imagine why I haven't been cast in one. When you think of the natural menace I bring to the screen... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just um, really thrilled that you're here today, and um, it's been great. I wanted to ask you a question. Have you always been funny? Were you a funny child? (laughs) 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 You know, were were you one of those children that was always making your family laugh and everybody else around you? Or was it something that just happened?
1: Um, Well, I I, I did silly voices, yeah, I did silly voices. Uh, I mean, I wanted attention, um, and uh, yeah, silly voices. I had lots of imitations all through school, and especially my chemistry teacher. He was called Chris Hammond, and he spoke like that. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm really stuck in a role, I find Mr. Hammond comes out. I don't know, he, just, he, he re-emerges. Yeah. Hello, hi. I've got the mic, sorry, so I'll I talk. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, you alluded to differences between working in the U.S. and, and working in Britain. Um, have you, and you also mentioned doing some more uh, producing, and I'm wondering if you're noticing um, a kind of some of those differences narrowing at all? Is, is, is the U.K. industry becoming um, more like the U.S. industry? And I think I mean that in a bad way. I, but you see, it's not... OK, you can divide America from uh, Britain, but really, there's, there's always been two things going on with the same technology. One is movie-making, which is a business, and, and the other is um, le cinéma. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> that, that was always my first question when I did French interviews. For you, Hugues, what is cinema? <laughs> I'm like fucking. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so uh, yeah, it's. I mean, uh, I, and I have never thought, uh, and I I love both good examples of both, and I I I, I don't um, subscribe to the view that all big commercial cinema is bad, and all tiny arty-farty stuff is good. You um, know, uh, in, in a way, prize-winning arty-farty. Is, is not that it's easy, but it's. Uh, I'd say if you had to pick one, it's easier than a uh, big commercial m- make people uh, who have been working hard all week and want to actually have the entertained. Entertain them. That's harder.
0: Question at the back.
1: Anyone here? Go for it. Yeah, Hugh. I just wanted to say it would be absolutely great to see you in a Martin Scorsese <laughs> film or a Tarantino <laughs> film. So let's hope we can see that you know, very, very soon. Um, just wanted to say, was a real big fan of your work in Cloud Atlas and um, six different roles, and just wanted to see if you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, how you were juggling those roles on set. Well, it was such a surprising offer. I thought they were joking in some way. I went to see them just to check that they weren't joking, and they said, no, man, we love you. And, um, and then I, I, I went, to, I said, okay, and I assumed I could do them all, the one I was completely wrong about was the um, post-apocalyptic cannibal. Um, <laughs> I, I, they made me up. You know, I look absolutely terrifying. There's blood foaming out of my mouth. And, and then Tom Hanks comes along, falls off a horse or something, and I have to look hungrily at him because I'm about to eat him. <laughs> and I'm on a hillside in Germany, and I suddenly thought, I can't do this. I, I, can't, I, I literally I don't have a hungry face. <laughs> Give me a wishy line, I could, I could do it, but I, I, I was terrible as that um, cannibal, I think. <laughs> but the Wachowskis are great. Uh, um, yeah. I particularly liked um, Lana, uh, <laughs> who, uh, no, I'm not going no. <laughs>
0: there. Go. Stop right there. <laughs> Can you hear me? I'm uh, um, just wondering if there's any um, actresses from the golden age of cinema you'd like to have starred alongside? 40s or 50s or...
1: Oh, God. This is where I show that I'm ignorant of... Who inspired you, then? (laughs) The history of film. No, I mean, I... uh... Who inspired you? Uh... (laughs) Uh... LAUGHTER the two questions. Just
0: say Rita Hayworth.
1: Rita Hayworth.
0: (laughs) Uh, I want to say that I think you're a wonderful actor. And can I just say about Sense and Sensibility? Because we've talked about all your comedy roles, but that's a really moving performance, and you moved me a lot, almost to tears. Um, so just would you like to talk about something just a little bit more serious?
1: Oh, well, thanks. Um, you're very nice. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some comedy in that film too, I hope, but the... Uh... What do I remember about it? All I remember was was Ang Lee, who is a wonderful director, unquestionably one of the sort of geniuses of cinema. But at that stage, um, he spoke no English. And um, (laughs) so it was a strange experience being directed by him. Very little English. And um, I remember the first scene I did was some scene walking along with Emma Thompson. And uh, we both thought we were pretty damn good. And uh, we went up to Ang Lee, who was sitting by the monitor, and we said, what do you think, Ang? What do you think? And he said, very boring. (laughs) 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 Yeah. He didn't mince his words.
0: (laughs) Okay. there was a final question. Yes. Sorry to end on such a boring question, but um, I think definitely amongst my friendship group, your dance scene in Love Actually is quite, quite the action. And was that really scripted, or did you kind of just say, right, off we go, and down you went?
1: <laughs> no, well, it was scripted that I danced, and then I dreaded that scene more than any scene I've ever had to do. I guess, you know, just freaking out, sober, uh, <laughs> in front of a film crew at seven in the morning. No, one ideas of, uh, no one's idea of fun. And they, they kept saying, should we rehearse it? Come on here, we've got a choreographer in today. And I'd say, oh, no, not a good day, I've got a bad ankle. And then, um, yeah, so there was no rehearsal. And then on the day, I just had to, just to go for it. Um, and I did it, yes, I did it completely sober. Whereas in music and lyrics, where I had to move around and be a pop star, I did that on a combination of uh, whiskey and tranquilizers. <laughs> Hidden in a seven-up bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Please tell me there were no 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 whiskey and tranquilizers in the Paddington dance, that it was all you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hugh, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear oh, well, thank you. Thank you, you so on. much for telling us. Uh, Hugh Grant.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs>